Church in Space. Well, welcome everybody. This is Church in Space, and yes, you're supposed to hear that like the uh, the pigs in space theme from the Muppet Show. Uh, so this is our podcast we decided to do at Resurrection Evangelical Lutheran Church. Hey, who are we? You keep saying we. I know. So we is, I'm Dave Campeis. I'm pastor at Resurrection Lutheran Church. And with me is... Drew Nelson. Just some guy I, off the I, street. Yeah, no, kind of, yeah, no, yeah, let's just go with that. Let's just go with that. Um, <laughs> is this where we're supposed to be introducing the type of nerd that we are? No, or? we'll do that next. Oh, let's okay. do that next. Drew Nelson, I've been going to RLC since... I think since I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't remember that. Close to it. Yeah. 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 And I'm Dan Michalko. I'm newer to RELC, and I'm often referred to, at least weekly referred to, as the resident recovering heretic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So welcome, everybody. Uh, great to have you. We're going to do this. I guess my goal with this, I don't know about you guys, but my goal with this is just to kind of show that faith and nerdy silliness can both be one <laughs> together. You know, no, definitely not. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I think a lot of people don't don't think that, you know, and like Dan, you've talked about, or at least I've heard you talk about, like, was there space for me at this, what seems like this really super conventional place called church? Mm-hmm. I actually think we're all a bunch of weirdos in the room together, you know, but we spend a lot of effort trying to pretend we're not. <laughs> Yeah, and and I don't pretend I'm not. Right. (laughs) And so, like, I want to provide space for like, let's some way to tell people like, hey, we're all really weird, and like, here's these three guys who, you know, like we talk about faith and we talk about science fiction movies. Then that's going to be the the flow of this whole thing, I guess. In in my opinion, it's like the Stooges. We're the three wise guys. (laughs) What the three wise asses? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, we're, we're the ones the Magi wrote in on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Church in space with the three wise asses. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. See, I'm so excited for this. I'm going to get letters from the bishop. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I don't um, know if they're the letters you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. Um, the first letter will just be an interrobang. Question yeah, mark? Yeah. Exclamation point. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Not in a good way. Uh, yeah. It was Drew. Drew's the one that came up with that subtitle. <laughs> just write it, write in Klingon, the response. Yeah. <laughs> I have to find a translator. Oh, man. I'm going to get, this is going to be great. Uh, I, I've met the guy who invented Klingon. Yeah. So I really? could hook you up. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. did not know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Okren and I. We met at a sci-fi con. So is it like an actual language? Does it have like the full... Yeah. Because like there's a difference. Like Elven isn't quite... Like Tolkien's Elvish is like missing a few pieces. Yeah. You know. But he was he was very detail-oriented with it nonetheless, mm-hmm. which is why it resonates with uh-huh. everybody. Right. And a little bit of trivia is that <laughs> he taught... Dr. Seuss went overseas for a year. Really? And his linguistics professor was J.R.R. Tolkien. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Like creativity kind of interweaves in weird ways. Yeah. But Klingon started mm-hmm. by James Doohan. He's actually the originator of Klingon mm-hmm. in that when they were making, I think, Wrath of Khan. Mm. I might have that off. It could be the first movie, but I'm pretty sure it was Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. But there were Klingon lines with yeah. subtitles. And director was just, yeah, and spout some off from gibberish. 
Mm-hmm. Sounds really warrior-like. Mm-hmm. And Dewan was like, no! No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's got to sound legit. So if they're going to be saying fire photon torpedoes. Mm-hmm. It's always got to sound like it's that phrase. Yeah. So Dewan invented a few words. Mm. And then when they got serious about Klingon, mm-hmm. interest in Klingon started expanding and their dialogue started expanding. Right. Paramount hired Mark Okrand, who is a linguist, mm. to develop it into a full-on language. Interesting. And Okrand's specialty, if I remember right, was it's like Inuit and mm-hmm. like very northern yeah. indigenous languages. I don't know exactly how that played into his development of Klingon, but mm. part of it is he wanted to make sure that it was really hard for humans mm-hmm. to speak. That's why it's so guttural and so... Uh, 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 yeah. Because he figured an alien alien physiology was going to be different. Mm-hmm. So the way their whole trachea and vocal tract would operate would be different. Mm-hmm. So those sounds that are hard for us to make would be easy for them to make. Mm-hmm. And that's why those would become their language and their words. But it's got syntax structure it's got everything so Hmm. it has all the hallmarks of a real organic language Mm -hmm. but it's not a true language in that he invented it well technically isn't like all language artificial though like someone had to invent all the words like phone you know yeah hand so i mean well and like like, i mean it's a terrestrial technically more terrestrial language than artificial yeah i mean and, and you're right, it's splitting hairs, yeah. especially yeah. now when Shakespeare has been interpreted into the original Klingon. And, yeah. Yeah. and people do speak it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the Trek cons, if you go and there's a big Klingon contingent, yeah. some of those Klingon cosplayers are functionally fluent in Klingon. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've got a Klingon English dictionary if you want to borrow it. All right, all right. I don't have that much, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Latin's a dead language, but not Klingon. Yeah. That, right. makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. Right. Which was a big digression, and any listener needs to get used to that, because with the three of us... Right, it's going to spin <laughs> off into all... But that actually does bring up where we're going next, which is to describe ourselves. So, what kind of nerd would you say you are? You know, classify your genus and phylum as a, you know, that family and all that stuff as a, mm-hmm. as a nerd. Well, I don't know, Drew, don't you think pastors are always supposed to set the example for their flock? Yeah, but... He doesn't like Doctor Who, so I, don't, I think like he shouldn't speak not first. I, I, I want to be clear about this. It's not that I don't <laughs> like Doctor Who. It's that I just have no experience with Doctor Who. There's a difference. I'm sure I would like it if I got into it. That's excuses. That's I all I hear over there. It seems so massive. Like You look at it, and it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that's why you like start with Matt Smith, and then you go back to... Uh, yeah, I've, then, I've, I've heard that's the way that you got to yeah. start with Matt Smith. And, yeah. Like, yeah. you got to pick things yeah. and then go backwards. Right. Because if you start ep- like with the pilot from yeah. what? 1963. The, exactly, yeah. November. It, n- <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, November? Was it 23rd? Yeah. It premiered, I think it was the night that JFK was shot. They had to air it twice Mm. because it was close enough to the assassination of JFK that there weren't a lot of people watching. Mm. Mm. So, What a fascinating thing. Also, the first show at the BBC that Mm. was headed by a woman, a female producer, and the first BBC director who was not Wasp. Mm. Yeah, and as a result, there was a lot of... Pushback? Yeah, from the rest of the BBC crew. Huh. And that's part of why those early Doctor Who's were so technically bad. <laughs> because 
everybody in the BBC was kind of working against them. They didn't really want the show to succeed. They didn't really want the show to succeed, yeah. Even the design of the TARDIS, the interior, was just kind of like, yeah. hey, you know, we're shooting tomorrow and we still only have a set. Yeah, so, right. sh- okay, here, take this. <laughs> what are these rondelles for, these little round things? I don't know, just, you know, it'll look cool, just build it. <laughs> the, li- the little round things, that's great. Um, I, I don't know, remember what, I think it was, um, I think it was John Hurt with his regeneration about seeing the little round things, right? Yeah. yeah in the 50th. Anyway, going back to introduction. Right, so back to introduction. Um, so pastors should start, right? So I guess I would classify myself as I like video games are kind of like my thing, you know, so and specifically overly complex strategy games. Like civilization is like child's play, <laughs> you know, and so like if I'm dealing with the minutia of like how to build infrastructure on alien planets, like I'm happy. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of like yeah, well, I want the warfare too, but like one of my favorite games at the moment, you're designing the components on your starships. It's not just that, like, if you research lasers, you don't automatically get lasers. You've then got to design and research the laser component, like, and the fire controls, you know, and the targeting sensor. So, like, it's not just like, you know, in civilization, like, you research horseback riding and suddenly you get animal husbandry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly you get you know, horsemen, soldiers. And it's like, well, how? Like, just because you know how to... This always bothered me, right? It's like, how did you go from, like, I know how to ride a horse to, like, I know to arm this guy with a spear and have stirrups and, you know... Yeah, and And then another civilization is coming and attacking you with, like, you know, helicopters and stuff like that. Right, yeah, right. It's like, (laughs) right, how does all that... How do those things fit? And so the more in-depth... A lot of people find that stuff, like, awfully boring, and I get why, but, like, the more in-depth like that the more I'm entertained. So what is this game of which you speak? It's called Aurora. Aurora. Yeah. And it's free too, which is the best part about it. Yeah. It's done by like one guy on the Isle of Man. (laughs) It's like a side project. It's got absolutely no graphics. It's kind of got all the graphics of an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm very interested. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great game. (laughs) It's so fun. So stuff like that. And then obviously like science fiction stories, books, I'm kind of my other thing. Kind of the classic sci-fi authors are really, you know, my deal, Asimov, Clark, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And then um, anybody with a short story I'll read. Okay. Except so, for Doctor Who. Except for Doctor Who. Well, yeah. again, it's, I don't know. <laughs> the reason why I keep bringing this up yeah. is because I decided to wear a Doctor Who shirt and, right. like, actually dress up for this podcast, yeah. whereas... And I say you're very fetching. Thank, right. Yes, thank Quite you. Fetching. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um I'm in a clerical collar, everybody. Is. <laughs> <laughs> Loosely defined because you've got the collar out. I know, I've got the collar out in yeah. my pocket. I'm prepared if I have to. You can't like draw and like have like special collars, right? You can't have like one that's. I know. know some people have like rainbow ones, but usually the white solid strip is like the part that identifies gotcha. what you are. You it know? means he can read. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, actually. That, that little trivia history right. kind of evolves out of Yeah, that. so it kind of comes out of it, it comes out of the same general dress in England of uh judges. You know, if you see English judges, right, they got that funny little collar. 
the on poofy white shirt collar and the poof- hair. Right. I would yeah. think the hair would be a dead giveaway instead of the collar, but yeah. Well, so right, the hair was because you had to look good in front of the king if he came by. But like <laughs> the hello, stop and want to see how the court's doing. <laughs> yeah. Anybody guilty today? <laughs> but black dress with that white poofy collar around was kind of the was kind of the symbol of oh, this guy can. You know, I know how that these two people can read, and the people who could read were clergy and lawyers. Yeah, that's definitely who you want to read. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's why we do it. So it comes out of England, you know. It's I think it'd fine. be good for doctors to read. Or scientists or, like, yeah. you yeah. know, people that can do math. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, Let's just go with the general population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Re- reading is good. Yes. Yeah. Reading is good. Um, so type of nerd I am. It's really hard to say because nowadays I feel like I'm not as much of a nerd as I mm. was because, you know, I'm working way too much and <laughs> at the bike shop and yeah. my spare time goes into like looking at bicycle websites to see what is, you know, ooh, what's this new component that's coming well, out? I, I, I'll add to mine. I'm a theology nerd too, you know, okay. and that's not just because like I'm I'm a pastor, but... I take theology books on vacation for fun, you know? And, and yeah. so, like, I, I, I'm a sick individual. <laughs> and, and so I think you can be a bicycle nerd. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so well, you look at those things and say, I never knew you could do that with a spoke. Oh, yeah. no, it's more of, oh, I already had that idea. Yeah. Why did it take mm-hmm. this long to actually happen? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. But um, besides that, did a lot of Marvel comic book reading on the bus mm-hmm. going to school. Mm-hmm in college and then um video games kind of mm-hmm. more of i want a compelling story uh-huh. and not just like hey we're gonna shoot a bunch of things up or here's this objective just go do it it's mm-hmm. more of like definitely skyrim fallout hey this is the story there's this world go just do mm-hmm. something red dead redemption not yet not yet not yet you should do that one yes That's really good yes there's a list of things that are very good yeah. that i have not done yeah <sighs> Like read Dune. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> three chapters of Dune is like three novels of any other writer. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. no, that's just one page from Tolkien and uh, <laughs> George R. R. Martin. That's just one page. Because yeah. you have to describe how the cloak was, what the material is, like how it felt. You know, this is absolutely... I love Lord of the Rings universe. It's the most perfect fantasy universe ever designed. The story's great, but Tolkien describes the view... From every hilltop in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yep. I, and I just want to be like, get on with it. <laughs> yes. As like the gigantic, you know, everyone on the mountain, Monty Python, just yelling, get on with it. The right, entire yeah, time. right. Yep. It's like, just move, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, anything really mythos related, mm-hmm. like very much into like the let's say character arcing like TV shows, but mm-hmm. kind of that stuff, like all the backstories, like um, a lot of Greek stuff, mm-hmm. things like that. Also anything that says Star Trek on it. Since you're mythos oriented, have you gotten into Neil Gaiman at all? Again, list of things that I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be our secret. Okay, Dan, just don't let anyone on the podcast know. No, shh. <laughs> I forget to edit that part out. <laughs> and now for something completely different. <laughs> Dan, what kind of nerd are you? I am an alpha geek. Alpha geek. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I am the prototypical nerd. Okay. Okay. In that I'm into all of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love video gaming. The, I love RPGs. The ur geek. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, really. I mean, yeah. I mean sci-fi, fantasy, yeah. cosplay. Yeah. Tech. 
mm. real life tech, fantasy tech. I mean, mm. I'm into all of it. Yeah. Dan walked so that we could run. <laughs> <laughs> In essence, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I was there for Pong. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I helped nurture video games into what they are today. Right. So Dan created the laser. We just have to do the firing sequence. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Exactly. Right. I'll give you the basics. Yeah. I'm, I'm a science nerd. I'm a uh-huh. science geek. I love all things tech and science. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people on the planet that actually gets jazzed about things like relativity and mm-hmm. quantum mechanics. Yeah which is why I love your friend Garrett, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who is very like-minded in that, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I want to know how everything works. Yeah, That's part of what brought me in as the heretic into mm-hmm. the fold of your flock, because science can go so far. Mm-hmm. Where are the answers for the other stuff? Yeah. So no pressure on you, but that's what I'm here for. That's you what know? you're here for. Right? <laughs> so I'd better come up with the answer. Yeah. Maybe if you synopsize it, I'm an uber nerd, an alpha geek, mm-hmm. because my entire life is driven in a quest for truth with a capital T. Mm, yeah. What is it all about? Yeah. I am that guy that gets obsessed with questions. The resurrection, you'll live forever. Do I want to live forever? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it get boring? There's yeah. only so many molecules and atoms in the universe, only so many combinations. After <laughs> In an eternity, you're going to end up having to repeat. Yeah, That's actually like the season four of The Good Place. Like that's the entire point of it. Yeah. It's like they they redo all of the afterlife structure, so there actually is a you know spoilers, but there's actually a good place. And then just like people just get bored after like four thousand years mm. of doing the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I remember I had a, a friend have. I mean, he's still a good friend, but he is very much an evangelical in the, mm. the American evangelical sense. Yeah. And I remember one time we were taking a walk, and he was urging me to get back into church and religion. Mm. He said, "You don't have to come to mine, just." go to church. Mm -hmm. And part of it was, don't you want to go to heaven? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, describe heaven to me. And Mm -hmm. he he described it, much more of a biblical literalist. And I was like, nah, that would be hell for me. I could not live in that conception of heaven. Mm -hmm. I I would be bored in about an hour. And I said, now describe hell. And I said, actually, I'd have a better time in your depiction of hell. Right. So it's that kind of thing that drives me. Mm -hmm. And that also tells me most of us don't really have the answer. Yeah, We dive into an answer someone's giving us, but it, that, that can't be the real answer because mm-hmm. your heaven then can't be my heaven. Yeah. So, yeah, truth with a capital T. Truth That's what I'm God. after. And that drives my uber nerddom. Mm-hmm. And it's also why I'm not afraid to not pretend that I'm normal. Yeah, right. <laughs> Here <laughs> no, I am. This right. is what I am. And if you like it, fine. If you don't, you know, mm-hmm. go play a game elsewhere. <laughs> you know? By the way, listeners, we joke about Dan being a heretic. He's not really a heretic. <laughs> just a stage name. Yeah, it's, a, it's a stage name. It is. <laughs> I just want to be clear on that. Heresy's a real thing and Dan's not. You're just saying that for the bishop. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Bishop Dillahunt. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, he's not. Yeah, I mean, like the eternity questions, I think where most people get wrong is like they conceive of eternity as just sheer length mm-hmm. of time, you know? And it's like, well, eternity is actually this qualitative thing outside of length, you know, like yeah. outside of quantifiable time, you know? And so it's this whole, it doesn't even make sense to ask, won't we get bored because... You know, the very structure yeah. of time is different. So you're yeah. saying it's timey-wimey? It's a wibbly-wobbly timey-wimey. There we go. <laughs> Imagine the universe as a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> well, in quantum, once you get below Planck time, time stops existing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's an area where spirituality and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. religion and, and physics Isn't actually that the converge. entire point of Avengers Endgame and the new Ant-Man 
is the the quantum level. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes it is. Yep. Yes, it is. Yep. It kind of gets back to my kids have always insisted. And my wife has finally come around out of many decades of frustration that I don't perceive time linearly. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, my kids picked up on that right away. Mm-hmm. I do perceive <laughs> it as just this glob. Mm-hmm. And it's not even divided into past, present, and future. It's just kind of like it's there's yeah. stuff yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. So we talked about Doom. So. Oh, yeah. So we're supposed to have a topic today. Yes. 23 minutes into the podcast. 23 yes. minutes into the podcast. And, we're supposed you know, to have a topic. You know, we're going on an hour and a half since yeah. we've been here just yeah. talking to. You know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's feeling our way through the first episode uh-huh. and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I want to figure this out because, because I think Dune is, Drew, you're kind of only... You're three chapters into it, right? You can, I want to read the book because I want to read the book. Yeah. I'm fine with spoilers. Well, not even just spoilers, <laughs> but like even three chapters in, like most of the book takes place inside people's heads, mm-hmm. right? You know, like there's actually... What do you mean? As in like, don't like, you read in your head? Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, I do read in my head. But like... <laughs> or are you one of the people that read aloud? No, no. <laughs> no, I'm not one of the... Ugh. He drives Kate crazy with that. Right, yeah, my wife... <laughs> Once said, upon a time, will you be quiet in there? And that, that's when the cats come in. Yeah. Just... <laughs> my wife's trying to... My dog's looking at me like... No, but like, the book is less like dialogue and more... There is dialogue, but it's less dialogue and it's more about Paul's thoughts. The spoken dialogue in the book is is almost all deception mm-hmm. from what's then going on in the characters' heads. Mm-hmm. And I I've seen the David Lynch version, and like they tried to do that with voiceover, you know, and like that never worked for me just personally, you know. Never mind that Captain Picard was Gurney Halleck. That also didn't really work for me. <laughs> well, actually, that worked for me, uh-huh. but at the time I saw it, uh-huh. he wasn't Picard yet. Oh, so I could see him as that his you own could character. See him as, that's that's a good point. Uh, yeah, for yeah. me it was you know he was Picard, and then it's like why is Captain Picard in Dune? Fire the phasers? No, no, <laughs> like, you, know, you know, you knew immediately that he wasn't Picard because there was no point where he he tucks his shirt. Well, it's because none of them were wearing super futuristic jumpsuits. <laughs> well, that's just season two on. Yeah, I mean you don't see that at all in season one, and you know there's no beard on Riker, so yeah, you know, yeah. that's yeah. all season two on. Season one of Star Trek is rough. It oh like, gosh, yeah. Next Generation, like yeah, Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek, but season one is like. It's a chore when I re- <laughs> like I'm doing this out of love for this show. Yeah, not because about I- half a season two. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I hate to say it, this is sacrilege, uh-huh. but once they kind of pushed back Gene Roddenberry, and, yeah. and started letting it take on its own life, uh-huh. that's when it got really good. Yeah, that's well, when it got good. What season three on? Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you don't need Pulaski. No, no, no. That was done because he didn't like Gates McFadden. Yeah, you know, the, wasn't that's- she pregnant too? Like. I heard, I don't know about that. I just heard that, like, the rumors I've read is, like, Roddenberry just didn't like her, you know, and he didn't want to hire her, and, like, the studio kind of insisted. Yeah. Then they got, he got rid of her for a bit, and then it was like, actually, she's better than Pulaski. Yeah, yeah. she is. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell at all during, you know, Next Gen that they can't write good women episodes. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, the no, same thing, no. be, like... Almost all television, like Doctor Who, they have no idea how to do anything with Amy Pond or Clara, yeah. and it's just it's kind of sad. Right. In that regard, it would be good if the next showrunner was a woman. Yeah. yeah. So they really could write balance out. Yeah. That's been the problem the last couple of seasons. With yeah. it, mm-hmm. To me, is that 
the storytelling hasn't been good. They've had a great cast. What, with Jodie Whittaker? Yeah. Or, yeah. Jodie Whittaker and the ensemble with her, the companions that she has, I think are great. Yeah. They just haven't been able to write good scripts. Well, no, it's just, I was reading somewhere where it's just like, yeah, it's just basically a 40-minute condemnation of culture. Like, there's so much about global warming killed all these people, or, you know, these zombies are, this is Earth. Yeah. And this is what happened when there was nuclear war, and, the, you know, the rich people bought these havens, and the, everyone else just turned into, mm-hmm. into zombies. Like, yeah. Right. It's just really, for lack of a better term, preachy. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. not, and not just preachy, it tropey. You know, they've gotten, not, not that Doctor Who is all original, but especially with the reboots, once the reboot kicked in, mm-hmm. there were some really great scripts, really great writing. Stephen Moffat, I mean, come on. Uh, no, no, I mean, he's, he's a yeah. g- great, look, look at what happened with Sherlock, right? You're taking yeah. the people who did Sherlock and you're transporting them over to Doctor Who. Yeah. You're going to have some good, yeah, you're going to go up and down, yeah. but you're going to have some really good storytelling. Yeah. Oh, what is it? When a good man goes to war? Oh, when mm-hmm. a good man yeah. goes to war, yeah. When Julia was doing band and I had to go, you know, go get her in the band room, I would just yell, Amy Pond, get your coat. <laughs> and she would just stare at me and be very, very mad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that's the thing. If they could yeah. get a female showrunner mm-hmm. or J. Michael Straczynski who can write all characters really well. Mm-hmm. And then whoever the new doctor is, I think will thrive. But if you start with good stories, yeah. give the actor something to work with. So mm-hmm. Simon Pegg writes all of Doctor Who now? And is it Mark Gaddis? Is that uh, he wrote some with Moffat, right? Yeah, he, yeah. But he's on Sherlock, right? That's Mark Gaddis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Simon Pegg should just write anything that's BBC related, sci-fi. <laughs> oh man, or, or even like no, just normal stuff too. Yeah. Like you can just do you can do Sherlock in space with the two of them, and it would just be great. It would yeah. actually, it would. And part of it is they're not afraid to go back and redo. Right? Mm-hmm. They will see where their story could be enriched, even if they're at the end, they finish the script writing, and it's like, you know what? This would actually be better if such a... They're not afraid to go way back to the beginning and redo. Mm-hmm. And even if they're already shooting, you know, Moffat's not afraid to go back and say, no, you know what? We thought we were done with production, but we're going back. Yep. Because we're changing the script, and it's going to be so much better. And it is. Yeah. James Gunn has to be added into it. James Gunn, Simon Pegg, and Mark Gaddis. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they're writing. It will be just fantastic. <laughs> James Gunn does have a... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to Dune. Yes, sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. One more, one more. <laughs> okay. To work with Peg. Yeah. Taika Waikiki. Waititi. He directs. He oh, has you want to direct. Him to be the director. Absol- yes, absolutely. Okay, with 100%. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. And he has to be one of the characters in there. Somehow or another, he has his character has to be in there. Yeah. Okay, now we can get back to Do Dune. you guys watch do either of you watch NBA basketball? No. No, that's a sports thing. Again, prototypical nerd. Yeah, prototypical yeah, nerd. So, no so, is, so this is our... Um, no my friends and I were debate, were discussing this about Space Jam 3, right? They made right. one, you know, and it should be directed by Dennis Villeneuve or however you say his name is directing Dune. And then um, it would the, the NBA star this time would be Giannis, uh, who's the star of the Milwaukee Bucks who just won the championship. Yeah. And he, he's Greek, right? He's the Greek, from, Greek, yeah. Yeah, he's... And so he has this like almost like childlike wonder <laughs> at being in the United States. <laughs> and it would just be the most amazing thing to have Giannis with the Looney Tunes yes. direct with Dennis <laughs> directing, you know. Well, after winning the championship, he went to well, he went to what? Chick-fil-A, right? And yeah. got nuggets or something yeah, like that. Right. Something yeah. ridiculous yeah. like that. Like it's you know, great. you have like Drew Brees that goes to Disney World and you know, Giannis yeah. goes to Chick-fil-A. Right, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> with, you know, his yeah. MVP. Yeah, he's got the he's got the, the MVP trophy. trophy like right there. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> but dude, 
if you've not read Dune, spoiler alert, it's really about religion, a huge part. So it kind of intersects this podcast, right? I guess the big question then is Paul as messianic figure or is he antichrist? And here's my background for this thing, right? He's presented as this Fremen messianic figure. He actively lives into that role that the Bene Gesserit have kind of seeded in all religions, right? On the other hand, there's this always this thing that that he sees and that ends up kind of happening is that, you know, they call it the great jihad, right? That that the Fremen are kind of unleashed on the universe. You know, in the second book, Paul talks about the billions of lives that have been consumed in his name and things like that. You know, it's like, which one is he? The book's never quite sure if Paul's a good guy or not. He's, yes, the main character, but is he good? Yeah. So I guess that's the real question. Is Paul good? I'd like to tease that out from Is He the Messiah or the Antichrist too, mm-hmm. Because depending on your cultural point of view, yeah, yeah you know, the Messiah could be good or evil. Mm-hmm. Right. (laughs) Which side are you on? Or at least, (laughs) will he cause trouble for you or won't he? You know? I mean, you can kind of say, like, without any knowledge besides the first three chapters, Mm -hmm. were his actions, were they the cause of this specific event and then Mm -hmm. things branched off from that? Mm -hmm. Or look at the Crusades. Mm -hmm. A lot of bad things happened because of the Crusades. Does that mean that Christ was bad? Yeah, yeah. It's more than a thousand years beforehand that Christ is talking. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying would be very much against the Crusades. Mm-hmm. So it's very clear the Crusades the Crusades were the result of corrupt followers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that then plays into Dune as well. Yeah, that nexus of religion and power right. and, and wealth, you know, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in some ways, in some ways, the Har- Harkonnens— mm-hmm. I've read it, and then, yeah, how, how's it actually pronounced? Yeah. But House Harkonnen, mm-hmm. in some ways, are the good guys, because in a lot of ways, they're the bastion of the universe's way of doing things, of yeah, the of the politics. Yeah, they're normal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're defending the status quo. Right. We we perceive them as evil, but, mm. you know, they're, they're killing in the name of keeping the status quo going. Right. House of Treaties, they're going to end up rocking everything. Right. Their own spice must flow. Right? Yeah. I mean, it is true that, well, it's that line about, you know, the gospel afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. You're comfortable, Jesus' message isn't, isn't so nice. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to kind of watch out for it because he kind of hits you over the head if you're comfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah. Part of the normal. Yeah, it's a difficult thing. It is. It really is. It is. I have one quick point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I actually have this knowledge, and Dan does. Uh-huh. It's like Doctor Who with Matt Smith. <laughs> yeah. So the whole point of, I think it was Series 6, was with the church. I can't remember the name of it, but they basically went back in time, and the doctor's best friends had a kid, and they kidnapped her and made her into a weapon mm-hmm. to fight against the doctor, mm. who is a good guy, mm-hmm. but at the same time, lots of bad things happen yeah. because he upsets the status quo. Right, mm-hmm. right, yep. That is actually an excellent point, yeah. because really, when you get down to it, what was Jesus killed for? He was upsetting the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He was saying, hey, this is not the way that most people are going to thrive, so uh, let's change things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. no, we can't do that. You must die. Yeah. Ultimately, that's really what it boiled down to. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and the doctor, that, that is kind of revisiting it, because the doctor is a good guy. Mm-hmm. But in his wake, 
bad things do happen mm-hmm. because he's distru- he's a disruptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In one of my lives, I'm a leadership consultant mm-hmm. or coach. And for a good leader, disruption is, that's one of the hallmarks of a good leader, mm-hmm. is that there is disruption in their wake yeah. because you can do things better. As we're emerging from the pandemic, it's a great example. You know, I still hear all these leaders saying, well, you know, when we get back to normal and when everybody comes back to the office, mm. why? Yeah. Productivity studies show that most workers, most office type workers are more productive working at home. Right. So is it really good leadership to insist the employees come back to the office when yeah. you're not maximizing your company's productivity? Yeah. Right. It all gets into that same milieu, you know, and, and obviously Jesus being 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. this is something we should have learned 2,000 years ago of what, what makes a good person yeah. is disruption because they're trying to make the world better. Mm-hmm. Or in Doctor Who's case, the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in Paul's case, first the planet Dune and then the yeah. empire, you know. Yeah. But you can see here is this recurring theme over millennia. Mm-hmm. And in that regard... I would say that Paul is Messiah, not Antichrist, mm. because his goal is for the betterment. Is that really his goal, though? I'm not really sure I interpret well, that. His goal is for his family to— I think there's an evolution. Okay. And, and, part mm. of, and part of it, you know, is him falling in love. Yeah. You know, there's no question, which to me is too tropey. But <laughs> yeah. So I brought this up with Pastor earlier. Reading the first three chapters, like— this doesn't seem unique at all. This seems very tropey. Mm-hmm. And then Pastor brought up the point, well, yeah, everything just stemmed from this. Yeah. So yeah. all the tropes came from <laughs> this. Out of here. So yeah. somebody has to start it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right. Long before there was Game of Thrones doing houses, there was, you know. Yeah, long before Luke. <laughs> the great, hars- the great yeah. houses. And-, and Tatooine, yeah. Yeah. Part of the issue is, I think for your point, mm-hmm. is that we are inside Paul's head for a lot of it. Yeah. I don't mean this to be heretical, Mm -hmm. but I think if the Gospels were written, or there was at least one Gospel of Jesus written from inside his head, inside his head, we would have a very different perspective of him as as the Messiah. Right? They're secondhand, both even linguistically, they're secondhand. Yeah, you know, Jesus spoke Aramaic, and already it's Greek. Yeah, yeah. So, book versus the movie. Mm -hmm. Would you say in the book he's more of the Messiah, and in the movie, he's the Antichrist, or because th- you're saying that? Oh, good point. You're good saying point. they're pr- you know yeah. it's portrayed differently. Yeah. Um, I, in the book, they're much more ambivalent about Paul. It's almost you be the judge in the book. Yeah, in the book, it's you be the judge. You know, you could see it either way. I mean, the Harkonnens are clearly bad guys. You know, and and his family's been given the short end of the stick. You don't feel bad when he wins <laughs> in the end. Yeah, you know, but. And ostensibly, he's helped the freemen in that. So he's helped this entire native culture, right? You know, survive. But on the flip side of that, in the next couple books, like again, that that great destructive wave of conquering the universe gets unleashed upon the universe in Paul's name, and and Paul's very ambivalent about you know. In spoiler alert, by the second book, he walks off into the middle of the desert and doesn't come back. <laughs> Wonder who that sounds like. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I wonder who. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Jeepers, I have no idea. You know, there yeah. were these whole monks in Christian history that uh, they went out and lived in the desert, and they sat on giant poles or columns out in the desert, and that's all they did. They that sounds there very they, uncomfortable. Yeah, they sat out there and they prayed, and yeah, they're crazy. They're fun, <laughs> but they're kind of crazy. I will say, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho and Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck are the two 
most brilliant casting decisions I've ever heard of in a while. Like those were, I saw, I was like, yes. <laughs> that way. Yeah. yeah. So listeners, we're going to do, we're going to, we call it the game. So this is like a little thing that we're going to do each episode. So this week says, if you've seen Jurassic Park three, right, which isn't the best Jurassic Park, but it's not the worst. Dr. Grant says in Jurassic Park three, that there's two different types of people. There's, astronauts and there's astronomers and astronauts want to go to space and astronomers are perfectly fine studying space from the safety of their own house and so the question is which one are you and i'll start with myself i am clearly uh, an astronomer and i know i'm an astronomer because every time i watch a star trek episode and they're like hey there's this interesting thing let's go check it out i say why would you do that <laughs> you're wearing a red shirt don't do that yeah. <laughs> not even a red shirt just like captain picard like there's this spatial time distortion like let's investigate it's like why the last one didn't turn out well <laughs> you know like i just watched the last episode like that every one every was... week you get the ship in trouble right like this ship almost exploded last time why do it again <laughs> I also love in Star Trek Discovery, like they reference that. Uh-huh. It seems like, oh, every week the Enterprise just has something new. Every single week. Every single week. That was a brilliant scene, yeah. by the way. That was brilliant. <laughs> like if you weren't paying enough attention, you just would have glossed over uh-huh. it. But just like that, just a little bit. Right. And so I've decided that means I'm clearly an astronomer because my instinct is not to be the explorer and be like, I want to investigate this. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, like we'll, we'll watch it from back here. <laughs> You know, I'll be fine. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, I feel like I'd be like the lower decks people. Uh, okay. Like, yeah. both the strummer and the astronaut, because uh-huh. number one, it'd be a lot more interesting to study like certain things, uh-huh. but then like go on the away missions. Like, uh-huh. the second contact missions, uh-huh. I feel like would be way more fun than, oh, hey, you know, we're going to get blasted by this, you know, yeah. unknown alien, because yeah. that happens like, what, six out of 10 times with the first contact? Yeah, right. Yeah, like, I don't want to go do that. <laughs> right. I'm not putting myself in that kind of danger, right. but like I'm epi- willing to. It's like the episode of Next Generation where Natasha Yar dies, you know, yeah. and it's like. Like they go down on the planet, it's like, this pool is pure evil. It's like, then why stay there? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know there was an evil setting on a tricorder. Yeah, right. It's yes. like, what was the scientific measurement that said evil? You know, but it's like, <laughs> I want to know. Like, if there's too much phosphorus in it or something. Like, what was it? You know? And Captain, this has a large component of brimstone. Right. Yeah, right. Fire and brimstone. Yeah, anyway. The smell didn't give it away at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, but, yeah, it's a mix between the two because mm-hmm. you can, if you're truly an astronomer, there's not that much fun in it. It's like playing a sport or watching a sport. Mm-hmm. If you just watch it, there's really not that much fun, whereas if you play it, you understand the game more than if you watch it, you get more out of it. Yeah. So I'm a mix between both, but definitely lower decks. Okay. I'm a mix between both, mm-hmm. like Drew. I think I'm a step up... <laughs> From lower deck. Oh, so you're on mid deck? I think I'm mid deck. Oh, okay, yeah. got it. Like the night shift commander, yeah, uh, um, exactly. like Voyager or something like that. You know, that would fit me perfectly. Yeah, right? yeah. You guys have all the yeah. action. Right. You know, have have the briefing room meetings. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the overnight shift. Yeah, and, you know, me and me and the crew will get tight. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and tell funny we'll, we'll stories. Wake. Delta shift. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wake you if there's a problem. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> but just like Drew, it's I love theoretical mm-hmm. things. And I love the study, yeah. but I also like to do. I like yeah. to experiment. I yeah. can't tell you how many times I started catching my parents' house on fire experimenting mm. at home. 
Um, and that, that was just <laughs> one of the damaging things I did. Um, so I am both experimental and theoretical. Okay. And, and I love the fusion of the two. Okay. So One thing I really want to bring up, though, that I don't think people discuss a lot is what happens when the captain is in charge and then the first officer is sleeping? Do they just wake up Riker saying, oh, hey, by the way, we're approaching a time rift. We need you on the bridge. Like, yeah. wouldn't you think that they wouldn't be on the bridge at the same time? I mean, there's a whole lot of, like, or is that just things. too much logic? I think it's too much. Well, it doesn't fit the cast ensemble, right? Like thing that you got to yeah. do. Like, because you're right. This is why they always joke about it. Like they joke about it in every series. But the captain's not supposed to be going on those away missions. Yeah. You know, like yeah. your captain dies. Like the Navy would like fire everybody on the ship if like a captain died. Yeah. Like you know, leading a mission somewhere. It's like, what were you doing? Well, that's <laughs> why, if you yeah. look at the blueprints of the Enterprise, especially yeah. from D on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll see that there's a captain's yacht mm-hmm. uh-huh. on the bottom of the saucer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a reason there's a captain's yacht. You know, yeah. a large part of a captain's mission mm-hmm. is the diplomacy aspect. Yeah. You leave the operational command to the XO, the executive right. officer. Right. So Riker would really be the functional day to day captain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Picard would be hanging out in his office most of the time, you know? Yeah. COO versus CEO. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, no, a yeah. lot of that, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The tradition starts with Kirk, and you can't have him romancing alien. one alien female uh, from every representative planet every week. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. That's why they had to get rid of Yeoman Rand, you know, in the script. Yeah. It's like, well, we can't have him have a love interest with the Yeoman if we're also going to have him have a love interest every week with, with one know? of the new aliens, right? I always wonder how many, like, intergalactic incidents like the original enterprise caused in its wake you know like <laughs> just by that it's like you know there's some starfleet diplomatic corps guy like, going back to the antichrist versus messiah yeah, yeah. right going back yeah. to the antichrist yeah. there's some like star trek diplomatic corps guy who's like back there it's like dang it rigel 3 is going to declare war on us again because kirk like had a baby with somebody and like someone in the basement left. in san francisco yeah. starfleet headquarters yeah. just like <sighs> Again, we got this whole team dedicated to this guy. Yeah, you what know? they don't tell you is behind NCC one seven zero one Enterprise there was NCC one seven zero two, which was called the Fixer. Yeah, right. Just oh, like no, no, one zero seven one is the opposite yeah. of it. Yeah. So it's just like it just follows behind like a couple of parsecs. So then it's just like, oh, there goes the Enterprise. Okay, now this is okay. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're, Please don't hurt us. Sorry for whatever he did. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Jim. And that's one of the things I did like about Next Gen. Yes. You know, yeah. was, was the fact that finally you're showing a captain who is more truly Captain Lee. Yeah, right. There's an interesting thesis to be had about, like, how you can tell how our country feels about itself based on its Star Trek captains. Oh. You know, and so, like, Jim's, like, the super confident dare the world. Yeah. You know, like, I can do no wrong. I'm sexy and powerful yeah. and, and smart all at the same time. Well, and he comes out of the TV Western tradition. Right, mm-hmm. TV Western, you know. And, yeah. and then Picard is so different because he, he's a British guy playing a Frenchman. We can't even have an American, you know, and it's like post-Vietnam and it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it, it, like we're not quite sure of ourselves. Everyone forgets Archer. Right, everybody <laughs> yeah. forgets Archer. Yeah. I, there's a whole, we could do a whole episode on Enterprise. I would like to. Do we? Yes, because I want to defend it. I want to defend the first two seasons and the fourth. (laughs) Thank you. The the third season was really bad. They lost me in the third season. I'll go with that. Um, (laughs) You know, and then you get like that Voyager Deep Space Nine time period Mm -hmm. where it's a little bit of both. You know, you got got Janeway who's straight 
jacket in many ways, but she follows the rules to the point of you're kind of like, really? Is that a decision? Well, and she's yeah. a scientist. Right. Mm-hmm. And she, she never forgets that part. Right. Yeah. She's yeah. a scientist. And then, but you've also got Cisco, who's... Very introspective. Right. Until the Dominion Wars. It was a very introspective program, and I really mm-hmm. like that about DS9. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you could do an interesting thing about America feels itself... And I haven't watched enough Discovery to really kind of analyze... Where are you at? What, what that says. Where are you at in Discovery? Oh, I've only seen like the first two episodes. Oh, oh so, my. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've got to get you up to speed on yeah. that. So, I love Discovery. Yeah. I've, uh, it's not anything against us. I just don't have CBS, the online yeah. platform. Uh, you know? pa- Paramount now. Yeah, yeah. The, right, the Paramount. It's going to um, change in like a year anyway to, to new right. like Nickelodeon Plus or something like that. Whatever yeah. Whatever is. they merge with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like the episodes I've seen have been kind of like, by somebody else's hand yeah. <laughs> who has it, you know? So, but it'd be interesting to see what's discovery's like method in that pattern. Yeah. What's yeah. going to be interesting for your analysis on that front mm-hmm. is each season has a very different tone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you can yeah. see the command, the tone of command changes in yeah. each season. Yeah. Yeah. So. And maybe that's part of it, even right there in and of itself is we're not quite sure. Who we are, yeah. you know, and so the tone keeps changing. I mean, everything about season one and season two changed. Like, even just, from, like, lighting and, mm-hmm. you know, photography mm-hmm. is completely different. Yeah. yeah, because they actually made it all work with the story. Everything mm-hmm. was together. It wasn't a standard lighting pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what is the story arc for this season? Okay, the sets have to reflect that. Yeah. Music reflected it. It's such a well-put-together show just on the tech side, technical side. It doesn't have lens flares. <laughs> no, I know. You know, I like the J.J. Abrams. I, I will defend. I will defend the J.J. Abrams stuff. I like the J.J. Abrams track. You know. It's a good movie. I right. mean, Although I did watch the first one, and I was like, God, I I do not remember there being this many lens flares. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it is truly yeah. a lot. Like, yeah. Wow. Were there any lens flares in the first of the new Star Wars? What's it called again? The Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah, I don't think there were many. There no. were a couple, I think. Like, specifically, I'm thinking when they had the lightsaber fight in the forest, I think there was a couple yeah. of lens flares. Yeah. But besides that, I can't, like, actually picture the no, lens it wasn't. flares. No. I think he heard how overdone it was in that one. I was like, okay, maybe I can lay off. Well, plus, the Star Wars universe is, is pretty gritty and used. Yeah. So, you know, when you've got that much grime, you don't have as much things to shine a lens flare off. Right, to shine <laughs> yeah. out, right. There's none of that shiny equipment up there. Yeah, plus, yeah, it's yeah. not as much indoors. Like, that's yeah, true. it's not like oh, you're always on a starship. It's yeah. just always in nature. Everyone's trying to fight. So, I mean, you do have all yeah. those laser blasts, whereas with, you know, with Star Trek, you don't have those laser blasts. You just see the ships blowing up, really. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you, listeners. Uh, this is how it's going to go. Banter. And- <laughs> For good or bad. Yeah. For good or bad. This is how it is. Uh, by the way, if you're one of those fans who really doesn't like new Star Trek, please don't write us. <laughs> you know, we get it. You don't like it. That's fine. Yeah, that's cool for you, but You're, we're followers. I think all three of us are followers of right. IDIC. So please don't, please don't tell me how bad whatever it is I like, I like is, <laughs> you know. Look, we're not even all three agreeing in even this first episode, right. and we're cool with that, right. so you be cool yes. with it too. Right, you be cool with it too. Everyone so. has their own opinions. Just keep them to yourself. Right. Thank you, folks. Yeah, thank you. Sweet. See you next time for Church in Space. Ooh, I'm going to do some magic, so say it again, and I'll make you sound magical. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, there we go. We got it.